Hi, I'm Erica Darvis. Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at Podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter. And then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going. Cheers. Cheers. Let's talk podcasts. Hey, Rewinders, welcome to Podcast Rewind episode 59. I'm Amy Randolph, one of your hosts. Sitting across from me is my gorgeous best friend, Erica Jarvis. You're so kind because you know I just took off all of my makeup and you kept yours on. And I said to you earlier, I don't care what you have to look at, but thank you for keeping your makeup on so I have something lovely to look at. I do. I Everything I do is for you. It's all for you. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you? Before we got on the mic, Amy started singing Janet Jackson's All For You. And like eight minutes later, I was like, do I have Janet Jackson stuck in my head? You're Quick welcome. answer, yes. I got gifts. I got gifts aplenty. Uh-huh. Who's it to what's it's galore? You want thingabobs? No. Well, I got 20. <laughs> But who cares? Not Literally. <laughs> wow. Welcome to the show this week, you guys. We are so excited to be back on the mic. And Two weeks in a row. Who are we? We're super excited about our content. We're super excited to, like, you know, follow through on our commitments to podcast. <laughs> Good thing we don't have, like, a production company to report to because we would get an email. Oh, or do. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, we get text messages from your mother on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Wednesdays when she doesn't have a podcast to yeah. listen to. I, I hear about it. I know you do. I do. So, anyway, let's get it going with a... Cheers. Cheers. It's drink of the week time. Yes. Can I start? Uh-huh. Erica Jarvis. Yeah, Amy Randall. You introduced me to uh-huh. what is now my new favorite beer of all time. I've never met a beer like this in my life, and it was the greatest thing to happen to me this weekend. It's so fucking amazing. <laughs> I got I got to do a real quick throw, because I said favorite beer of all time, and that's really unfair to Oberon by oh, Bell's. Oh, of course. That's like my legacy favorite, just go-to. But this beer is brand new. It's Sierra Nevada Brute IPA. It's an extra dry IPA that is supposed to mimic... The feeling of drinking extra brute champagne, yeah. which, I mean, is probably my favorite alcoholic beverage of I all think time. it is. For it to be mimicked in an IPA, my favorite genre of beer, like, I'm a little melty in my pants Yeah, right now. I saw it this weekend at Publix on Super Bowl Sunday, and I was like, well, we're not really doing much for the Super Bowl, but you have to drink regardless wherever you are. Exactly. And I grabbed that beer, and when you came home, I was like, you can taste this. And you, like, took a sip and looked at me, and you were like, fuck you. Yeah, you never offered me one. I, I didn't. I'm so waiting. sorry. I would have traded. I meant to. I did mean to, but anyway, so that's what you're drinking today. It is, and I bought my own now. What Congrats. are you having? I am having a Sauvignon Blanc. That has a name. Oyster, Oyster Bay. Bay. Yeah. That took a second. It's a great Sav Blanc, and you've had it on the show before. I think I have. Um, my family is like diehard Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc to the point where it's like overtaking the closets in our bedrooms at my parents' house. And then Oyster Bay came out, and my mom was like, oh, no, I like that better. But she has so much Kim Crawford she has to blow through before she can. I mean, it's become the house wine at Jarvisville. First world problems, am I right? It really is. I wish their problems were my problems. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And I'm so sorry, this room of wine can't be drunk fast enough. Oyster Bay is a milder price point, isn't it? Yeah, I would say Kimmy sits at about a 15 and an Oyster Bay is at 11. Yeah. Maybe 12. It's the economical. It is economical. It's a little lighter, crisper, as they say. Well, cheers. I hope you're enjoying. Absolutely. So speaking of the Super Bowl, that is definitely not what we were obsessed with this week. And I'm glad because it... Super boring. Super boring is for sure. But let's talk about what we are obsessed with. Yes. I'll jump in. Go for it. So, you guys, you know we're Bravo TV-aholics. And, like, just, like, this great culmination Mm -hmm. of all the housewives came together last week. And thank God people pulled their phones out so I can experience via the internet 
Andy Cohen's baby shower where Lisa Rinna gets on the mic and for like a minute of drunken slurring, screaming at all of the other housewives from all of the cities to get on the tables and dance now for Andy and his baby. (laughs) And if you have not seen this video, I encourage you to pause this podcast. Yeah, we'll allow it. And go to YouTube and find it because it's delightful. It's... So good. It's what everybody was talking about. Merchandise has been oh, made yes. off of this baby shower. It's all about like a star is born. By the way, Mazel Tov <laughs> to Andy Cohen. His baby, Benjamin Allen Ellen? Cohen, uh-huh. was born, born today. today. So cheers to him and his newborn son. Do you think he's going to call him Benji? Benji Cohen? Yeah, I can see Benji instead of like Ben or Benny. Like I kind of feel like when we start hearing Andy talk about his baby a little bit more, he's going to be a Benji. Probably until he's out of the toddler phase. Right. And then he goes like, Dad, it's Ben. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Benjamin Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, super mazel to Andy. Congratulations on your beautiful baby boy. But I am um, <laughs> not nearly as excited about that as I am about Lisa Rinna at the shower. Get on the tables and dance now, you fuckers. He paid for your whole life. I mean, it's insane, you guys. And um, also, I just have to throw in here, too, we were blessed more Bravo last week that the New York um, Housewives trailer dropped. And it's delicious. We've watched it, what, once a day because we can't get enough. We cannot wait until March. I want to pause and watch it right now. I think about it often. (laughs) I think about it a lot. I was excited about it is Tinsley is evidently miserable in her life. Yeah. And I'm sorry for your miserable life, Tinsley, but like I'm not because it brings me joy. I'm not going to con Maria that out of my life. That shit sparks joy for me. Absolutely. Cannot wait for that season. Congrats to Andy. Thank you, Lisa Renna, for internet gold. Right. Well, so speaking of things that spark joy. Yes. This week, a little thing happened to me, and I shared it with you. I think I actually emailed you during our work day. And we never email. No. Um, we, I don't try. I don't talk to you during the weekday if I can help it, <laughs> guys. In the morning, if she leaves and I'm up with her, I'm like, "Bye, have a good day." She's like, "Bye." Mm. I'm like, why are you talking to me? And I'm like, "Oh, are we fighting?" I feel like just grunting at you, <laughs> yeah. but I try to behave like a human and use my words. Bye. It's always like, "Bye," like a question mark. Like, why are we? Why- sp- Speaking. Uh, talking to me. I'm going to talk to you so much later yeah. tonight. And it's funny because, for those who don't know, I used to live with Beth, best other friend best friend of the pod, and every morning she would walk out, like, feet hit the ground, out the bedroom door, and be like, morning, and just, like, mumble through the apartment. The two of you are so drastically different. I am me. Anyway, I emailed you this week because... This is your obsession. This is my obsession. I would say about two or so months ago, a teacher of mine from high school, shout out North Allegheny High School, mm-hmm. up in Wexford, PA, in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, you know, just like friended me, as I guess teachers do, you know, as you get older, it's like it's okay to be friends with your students now that we're all in the clear. <laughs> we're all of adult <laughs> age. Yeah. And so shout out to Mr. Soliday for sending me a friend request Chit-chatted briefly, and then that was it. And this week, I posted our Sugar Baby podcast on our Facebook page, Mm -hmm. and then I shared it to my own personal page, where I basically was like, good news, mom and dad, I'm not a sugar baby, but that doesn't mean I don't want to talk about it on a podcast. And I would say within, like, minutes, I get a message from Mr. Solanday being like, hey, so crazy to hear your voice after all of these years. We have a great podcast. And I was like, and then he was like, sugar babies, what a fun concept. I was like, no. And they were like, not my teacher. Not my teacher. Like the immediate like embarrassment I got. And I was like, wow, you listened to my podcast and the sugar baby episode was your fo- first go. And he was like, yeah. I was like, I have to go crawl into a hole and die. I mean, I have a meeting in 10 minutes that I need to attend. But until then, I'll be dead in the corner at work. And he was like, no, it's fine. I mean, he was so kind. He actually gave us a couple of great topics that we can maybe talk about in the future. So thank you for that. But I mean, it was, I was just like, oh my God, I think you taught me calculus. And now we're having a conversation about my podcast and sugar Sugar. babies. And that's so strange. And I think I want to go die a little bit, but also like, I'm an adult, so are you. Like, it's not the end of the world just to have a conversation. But it's, it's like, weird. it's weird. It's like that scene from Mean Girls when they see Mrs. Norbert out in the field yes. and they're like, oh, seeing your teacher is like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. Like, teachers have lives. We have they plenty do. of friends who have, 
are teachers and they have lives. You are raised by a teacher. Clearly, they can go on to live a normal life. But for us, nope. After 3 o'clock, you lock up in that school and I go (laughs) home. And what you do is not up to me. I will absolutely say, growing up as a kid, going to the grocery store with my mom on the weekends, if we would run into one of her students with, like, their parents, Mm -hmm. just the look of utter, like surprise <laughs> on the other kids' faces to see Mrs. Randolph out in the real world. In, in the like, wild. Yeah, like out in the wild, out of the cage uh-huh. of her classroom. They seriously would just stare at her like, I, <laughs> I don't cannot her. compute. Like, worlds colliding. Uh-huh. Like on Seinfeld. George's worlds are colliding! Basically. And that's how I felt this week. Like, I called my mom on my drive home, and I was like, one of my high school teachers listened to the podcast. <laughs> and she was like, well, they have a leg up on me. And I was like, agreed. You don't listen to the podcast. I was like, but then he listened to our podcast about sugar babies. And she was like cracking up. And she's like, wait, you did a podcast about sugar babies? I was like, we're in the clear. I've aged out. It's fine. We took the test. We have to go back to the matter at hand. I'm dying of embarrassment. Like this man taught me things in school and I'm teaching him about the world of sugar dating. I was like, tit for tat, right? (laughs) To be fair, I'm not using anything I learned from him from a calculus perspective, and I do not think he's learning much <laughs> from me either about sugar babies. So, Mr. Solanday, we're even. <laughs> even Steven. Even Steven. But Ooh. that is what tickled our fancy this week in the world of yes. obsessions. But I talked about an obsession last week mm-hmm. that I have not been able to stop talking about. And me either. Amy and I decided that this week... We had to go for it. We had to deep dive. We have a lot of questions. We need to unpack the fire festival. Yes. Where does one begin when it comes to the fire festival? Well, it happened in the spring of 2017. Yes. And at the time, like we said last week, I never really heard of the fire festival. You said you kind of had ancillarily through Instagram. But it hit Twitter and Instagram by storm that this, like, Like sham, a fire. Like a fire. The sham festival was put on, on an island in the Bahamas. It was supposed to be the most luxurious, the most, you know, like, elite and luxurious. I already said luxurious, okay. sorry. Um, like, music festival on this private island. All celebrities are going to be there. Big bands were playing. Um, the only band I had ever heard of was Blink-182, but there were a lot of, like, bands that, like, the kids listened to. Yeah, Major Lazer. There were a handful of other ones. But if you looked at the lineup, it wasn't a Coachella lineup by no, any means. No, no, no. But, but like, yeah, Coachella in the Bahamas. Right. With luxurious lot, lot? yachts. Yachts. And villas. Villas. And just... Excursions. Sun. Decadence. Yeah, like, uh, top-of-the-line catering, all of this stuff. It kind of looked like you could live like Richard Branson for exactly. a weekend. And how enticing that would be right. to us plebes here exactly. on the mainland. Exactly. It was definitely for just the rich and, you know, they were going to hobnob with the famous. But you guys, it was a scam. Just a total scam. I mean, the concert was, I mean, the festival was supposedly being put on, but it went to hell in a handbasket. Fast. As they would say. And the people that were there, especially all the social media influencers, let us know. If anyone remembers that infamous tweet of the cheese Sandwich, yep. Just like a, a slice of American cheese on some Wonder Bread, yeah. And they were like, "This is our gourmet catering," and then like it just blew up, and it was this online meltdown. It was so fun to watch then, but we haven't left it. And then, as we said last week, two new documentaries, one from Hulu and one from Netflix, dropped about what happened. And so now, Fire Festival is all spun back up again. And Eric and I. Have questions. Yeah. Like, first of all, how? And why? Like Amy said, it was um, one of the most amazing marketing campaigns that has happened in a long time in regards to any kind of festival. When you think about Coachella and Lollapalooza, even Lilith Fair back in the day, these festivals take on a life of their own that they just happen. Every single year. Coachella doesn't need to do marketing. Coachella is Coachella. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows about it. You know about Stagecoach, also out in the same area. But for country music, they just all of a sudden pop up and they're part of our ether. But this brand new version of a two-day weekend music festival being so luxurious just like grabbed everyone's attention with all of these models and influencers supporting it and promoting it. 
Right. And what we learned, we learned then, and we also were reminded of on the documentaries is that they really promoted it through social media to, um, they were scaring people into coming with the concept of FOMO, fear of missing out. They were really promoting it. It's like, this is the most exclusive, awesome thing that's ever going to happen. And if you're not there, you won't get to experience it. And you will have missed out on a giant opportunity in your life. You have got to come to Fire Festival. Yeah, and all from the mind of one potentially brilliant genius or crazy con man, Billy McFarland. Yes. Who Billy, you know, we find out in the Hulu documentary, and they don't really touch upon it so much in the Netflix documentary, has kind of been this big business entrepreneurial idea man since a child. Yes. Goes on to, you know, in his 20s coming up with a millennials version of the black Amex, like a yeah. metal credit card that's got club and like, you know, entitlements and creates a lifestyle through his brands. But what you're purchasing, you're not sure if it's tangible. Are you yeah. paying for a lifestyle or what are you doing? So we find out that Billy's got a lot of ideas throughout his life. If I can stop you there, I listened to a podcast today. I wasn't going to bring this one up, but it had some information that I didn't know about Billy before. The podcast is called Swindled, uh-huh. and they did an entire episode on the Fire Festival. And I don't know who the host is because they're anonymous. Oh, they love call it. themselves a concerned citizen. Love it. And so basically they kind of dive into, on this podcast, Swindled, all of these you know situations in which yeah. – the public or a person was scammed. Yeah. But he was going back into Billy McFarland's story. And before the Magnesis credit card that you just brought up happened in 2014, Billy McFarland almost launched a social media company. Neither of the documentaries no, brought that up. They didn't. But it was called Splink. And the idea of Splink was that like you got on there and you had your circle of your five closest and then they would have a five closest and then like you would network out and that almost launched until, do you remember this? Google Plus. I was just about to say that sounds exactly like Google Plus. Right as he was about to launch Splink, Google Plus launched and it took him out of the game. So like his first big splash that he, you know, the crazy genius of Billy McFarlane was about to unleash never really happened. So that went away. But this idea of this kind of elitist social media yep. is what rolled over into that Magnesis credit card, yeah. which like you said, wasn't really a credit card. It was more of a social club. Yeah. So it was like you pay, basically you kind of put money on what would be like a gift card, I suppose. But then that being a member of that card would let you into certain events yep. and certain clubs and that, you know, by having this card and being a member, you're part of this social club, but it's not a credit card. And so obviously that business plan folded because it's basically It was really hard to keep up. And, you know, I think a lot of people would love the idea of a black Amex, that full metal credit card, mm-hmm. you know, but he was like, chicks love the sound of that metal hitting the, you know, the bar yeah, top. I can see why that's sexy. I can see why that's super sexy, but, you know, rather than being like, oh, I paid $500 a year in fees to be part of this. Mom wants to work her ass off and have Amex call me and say, we're upgrading your platinum credit card to the black Amex. Like that feels like real status. Yeah. I say that the credit card is tied to my parents' account so I can (laughs) purchase things at a discount at work. Guys, that's not, I'm not cool. Um, but not at all. But anyway, yeah. So like we find out before fire festival, Billy has this history Mm -hmm. of, Big baller ideas that are lynched, like hinged on a scam. Right. And that it's not real and there's no business plan behind it. But man, does he have people working for him and employees and who are entranced by this guy and his big ideas being, you know, in his 20s, like the millennial that he is. Yeah, they show us that he's incredibly charismatic and charming and can overwhelm you and almost indoctrinate you like a cult leader. Yeah. You know, we were talking about how so many of his ideas kind of were based on a pyramid, maybe even Ponzi scheme kind of strategy that kind of led to the, to the fire festival eventually. But, um, you know, we have talked about MLMs on this show before and like, we'll come to find out he was really kind of running one of those pyramid schemes to get this fire festival going. Yeah. Um, so tell us what actually happened when we get to the festival. So you know this so well. I do. Well, so I will say, you know, the concept of fire festival started with Billy and Ja Rule. Everyone 
in the documentaries is kind of at a question mark about how really Ja Rule came to be part of this. But Billy wanted to create an app called the Fire App, where you basically did like a Tinder swipe right, swipe left on artists, and you could book an artist to come to an event. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but to capitalize on that, he decided, wouldn't it be great if we had this app, but every year culminated in a huge festival in the Bahamas and create this luxury concept and you felt like you were mingling with, you know, Coldplay. Ha ha. Huh. Joke's on you if you thought that that was happening. But anyway. <laughs> spoiler they, alert. Spoiler alert. Partner up with Jerry Media and mm, do fuck this. Jerry. Fuck Jerry. But, well, the Instagram account is called Fuck Jerry. Their company is called Jerry Media. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I didn't know They're that. the ones that have the um, game, What Do You Meme? Yes. Do, it's a big meme account. Um, kind of get to a little bit later, like, my thoughts on this whole thing, but brilliant marketers. This is what they do. He partners up with them. They come up with this concept of, you know, these, you know, gorgeous videos playing on Instagram paying over 200, 250 influencers and models to post an orange square on their Instagram, basically announcing Fire Festival and create this spin-up on Instagram. Right. Everyone's buying in. We're going to go to this two-day festival, and it's two different weekends, which is very similar to Coachella and Lollapalooza and a lot of other events. But it's down in the Bahamas, and it's going to be on a Pablo Escobar island. Right. You know, formally owned. Formally owned and amazingness. And they do shoot this very gorgeous, enticing um, promo video where they do bring, like, the world's top models to the Bahamas. Gigi Hadid is there. I think Bella Hadid is there. Emily Ratajkowski. Uh Haley Haley Baldwin. Baldwin, Like, Sorry, names. Nay Baldwin. Haley yeah. Bieber. Did she really change her name to Haley Bieber? According to her Instagram, she did. Blah. Puke. I know. God bless that union. Anyway. <laughs> the youth is wasted on the young. They stupid. did get to these models. They did get them down there. Ja Rule, Billy, and a film crew created this gorgeous, enticing video. Again, to spin up, spin up that FOMO. Yeah. And then all these models were posting on their Instagram, like, catch me at Fire Festival. And... People bought the tickets. That fire festival sold out in what twelve days? Even Something less? like that, which was interesting because in one of the, in the Netflix documentary, they inter- interview this guy Mark Weinstein, who is noted to be a music festival consultant. Mm-hmm. And I found him on a podcast this week from Mind Pump, which is a raw fitness truth podcast, which is so bizarre. It's a fitness podcast, but episode 957. We we learn on the Netflix thing that he's a yogi, so it's not weird for him to be on that podcast. Well, that, but also what he does say on that podcast is that while he has grown up in his career of doing um, music festivals and consulting, right after Fire Festival, he left to go do sports events. And he met these guys at a Spartan event and became buddies. And when they saw him on the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix, they were like, hey, man, we know you. So it's an hour and a half long conversation with him. Basically, Fire Festival, like the festival that never happened. Mm -hmm. And he explains a lot about how, you know, he's worked with big time festivals and you don't sell out your first year. And the fact that Fire Festival sold out made him go like, whoa, why did we sell out? That's not supposed to happen. You know, you have to pay a lot of money to have all these acts here. There's so much you have to do. It can take two to four years to make your money back on a festival. And like, you know, you're just going to be in the red for a couple of years. But if you keep at it, you'll start making money. He was like, Coachella's been around since the 80s, which I, oh, in I my mind, that. Coachella happened four years ago. Me Coachella too. Coachella yeah. has been around since the 80s. And that's why Coachella doesn't need to do anything but put out an Instagram account. And say, here's who's coming. They have worked their ass off to get to where they are. And Coachella still doesn't sell out. You know, nobody sells out. So he said, like, being pulled in as a consultant, he's like, the fuck? We sell out in 12 days? That's not okay. And we go to find out that, you know, while you purchase, you know, let's say $500 and it's your airline ticket down and a Mm -hmm. tent and your tickets and some people are purchasing villas. Luxury villas for $250,000 for two nights which you pay up front i mean we're starting to find out through these documentaries and a lot of the podcasts that we listen to billy was just acquiring money Mm -hmm. and then just shitting it away on other things because he owed money to other different facets none of this money was going towards your villa none of this money was going towards your food or a ticket Mm. or a stage and that pablo escobar island we talked about that previously owned island Never happened because there was no infrastructure on the island. And Mark and all these other guys were like, dude, you need water, power, bathrooms, bathrooms, (laughs) 
And Billy was like, well, if we don't feed them a lot of food, we don't need bathrooms, right? And they're like, do you know how the body works? Right. So you come to find out. So in the end, Fire Festival was a terrific disaster. Yes. Because all of these people that bought tickets did show up, though very difficultly, because you, you know you come to find out that like all these participants had bought their tickets. And they had been getting emails from Billy and the team to, like, buy your wristband and put $3,000 on it, and that will be your, you don't have to bring cash. Yes, you can the cash buy your event. food and buy your drinks and buy, you know, whatever excursions through your wristband. And $3,000 will barely let you have any fun. You should probably put $6,000 yeah. on the wristband. Again, they were acqui- acquiring this money, but the participants, or the attendees, I should say, were getting asked for more money all the time, but not being given things like hotel reservation numbers, flight information. So it was coming down to maybe a few weeks before the festival, and participants are starting to email, tweet, you know, grab a hold of the fire Festival via social media to be like, I just want confirmation of where I'm supposed to go. So they were all supposed to get themselves to Miami, and then there would be flights for all of them out of Miami onto, you know, a charter bus when they get to the island, but there was no confirmation. And people were blowing up social media so bad that fuck Jerry had to hire in more consultants to start um, administering or admin, like, deleting yeah. negative comments because they were wor- they knew, first of all, that they were having all these actual admin problems with getting the actual production of the event off the ground. But on top of that, that they were getting bad press because these participants were like, hello, where yeah. do I go? What time? What day? What's happening? Yeah, and, like, this is where... When watching the documentaries and listening to a lot of the podcasts, Amy and I kind of were like, why wasn't anybody asking more questions? Or like, you find from like the yeah. people who are attending, they don't have enough information of how to attend the event. But people who are participating are looking around and going, we go live in 14 days and we don't have bathrooms. We don't have water. The part of the island in the Bahamas that we are renting for the event has a 10-foot cliff into the water. Where are the fences? People are asking questions, but no one is saying it loud enough. Right. They're still going, this is fine. Well, and the, those those of the staff under Billy that were standing up to him and asking questions and saying, look, man, this logistically is not going to happen, they got fired. Yes. So Billy did not like dissenting voices or to be challenged. And if you went up against him or someone of his team, you were dismissed from the project. So he was left with a bunch of yes men. And I don't mean to uh, put them all down because watching the documentaries, you do see some people that realize they were headed towards a train wreck, but were like, okay, we are in this and we've got to try to People are coming. We have got yeah. to try to make something out of this. But any of those like early stand-ups got fired. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> that you fired, get fire, it? fired, fired. F Y R E D. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Jokes are funny when you explain them, aren't they? Though they are. Oh, I got funny. told that today at work. Uh, I made a stellar joke, and somebody was like, "It's funny when you explain it." I was like, "Fuck you." Fuck but um, that's what we come to find out in both of the Netflix and Hulu documentaries, there are people who realize this is going to be a shit show. But people are coming, and they can't stop these kids from getting on flights and coming to the island. And they care so much about making sure that they're safe and okay. Yeah. Yes, they're not going to see Blink-182 or Major Lazer or anybody else who they have said is going to attend. And you're not going to eat great food, but they so cared about the safety and well-being that they put themselves through the ringer. And we find out through the documentaries that everyone arrives, pretty quickly realizes this is a shit show and not happening. Billy makes a grand gesture of like, go find your FEMA tent and enjoy the night. Jumps up on a picnic table and it's Basically thinks that he's going to calm the situation because people are ready to riot, but he actually enacts anarchy because he jumps up on a picnic table and says, okay, you guys, you know what? Everyone just go find the tent that you like. And these people run ape shit. Like Lord Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. But then the Hunger Games. Billy Bolts. Billy Billy fucking Bolts. Captain of the ship did not go down Did not go down. And that's where we see so many of these people like Mark Weinstein and a lot of the other people who are there from like a production perspective be like, you've got a couple thousand kids who are wasted, hungry, 
tired, rain-soaked, wandering in this portion of the Bahamas, like, we got to jump in and try to help out in some way, shape, or form. So, again, we go back to, like, was everyone too afraid to come up against Billy? Right. What was that about? And we both listened to an episode of Keep It from January 23rd with the wonderful, wickedly talented (laughs) Jane Marie from Stitcher's The Dream Podcast. We, we can't talk, talk enough. We can't guys, talk more about it, you guys. Yeah, if there's one thing I need to talk about in 2019, it's getting your the flu dream. shot and, you know, the dream. I mean, there <laughs> are a couple of things like I really preach. Drink your water, get a flu shot, listen to the, the dream, dream, don't join an MLM, call your mom, don't go into the forest. We've got a couple of tidbits for you. For sure. But the dream was all about multi-level marketing and pyramid schemes. And she came on to keep it to talk about how Fire Festival was an amazing example of a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Nothing was ever enough. Thank you for your $250,000 for your villa. Billy's going to go shit that in the corner and spend it on something else because he owes an investment venture capitalist a quarter of a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to tell you it's a cashless event. Put money on your wristband. Now I've taken more money from you knowing full fucking well when you get here, there's nothing to buy. I now have your $12,000 pyramid scheme. It just was never enough for him. Yeah, and he's such a charismatic guy that, you know, he had, he was keeping so many balls in the air. I guess you have to give him credit for that because he's he's lying to the investors about how everything is going great on the island and the festival's coming along. He's got his team lying to the participants about, have no worries, when you get here, everything's going to be fine. And it was right before, you know, they say the night before everyone arrived on the island, there was a giant, basically a monsoon. Oh, yeah. And it washed everything out. By this point, they knew Blink-182 wasn't even going to show up, but they hadn't said anything. So the day that all of those people arrive, basically they have to cancel the festival. The anarchy we already described ensues, but... Like Erica said, it leads us to these questions of, like, this this guy had all of this going. He, we, he has to be a sociopath. Uh-huh. He has to have known that this was not going to come to fruition. And so did the people around him. Yeah. But nobody was able to stop them. Oh. him. I mean, either they got fired or they got to a place where they went, people are coming. Human beings are coming. We have to do what we have to do. And in the Netflix documentary, a really beautiful, hilarious standout moment happens where this older gay man named Andy, who has worked with Billy in the past, he's basically a... He used to do events with him at he's an, event, credit card. he's an event producer, and he's Billy has roped him into the fire Festival about two months before it was supposed to happen. And they get to this point where, like, shit has gone down so bad that the Bahamian government is holding their Evian water pallets hostage until they get paid because they haven't been paid. And Billy tries to send Andy to, like, the governor's house because the Bahamian governor is gay to literally suck dick to get the Evian water. And he describes how he was going to do it. And then he got to the Bahamian governor's house and the governor was like, no, just like, here's the water. It's fine. You didn't have to do it. And I listened to a podcast um, today called Original Content, which is a podcast I've never heard before, but I was really glad to find. The hosts are Anthony and Jordan, and they, for this episode called Fire vs. Fire, they had special guest Brian Heater on. And, you know, they were talking about, like, this charismatic magnetism of yeah. Billy McFarlane. Like, how could this guy have someone so indoctrinated into what he's doing that they're willing to go suck dick for Evian water? <laughs> and, you know, it made them talk about and me think about in my own life how, like, I understand events. I yep. do in my, yep. in my actual day career. I put on large-scale and small-scale, all-size-scale events, and when event time comes, you are a machine, yeah. and you got to do what you got to do. I have jumped in cars and driven mad to get to places uh-huh. to pick things up. I have, you know, I have done weird stuff. I've never sucked dick for anything <laughs> at work, but I've done definitely weird stuff, so I did... I did. I understood Andy completely yeah. when he said he was going to do that because you got to do what you got to do. The people are coming, and you've got to do something. Yeah, but how do you get to that point? You know what? Here's the thing. I, you know, in my career, have worked with 
geniuses when it comes to creativity and design and technology and like, you know, changing the game and like going bigger and better. And they're, what's the word I don't know how to say correctly? Orators? People who can like. Oh, yeah. Like Oprah yeah. is a, you know. Orators. Yeah. Is that like the word? Obama is a great orator. Yeah. Well, like they can um, get motivational speakers. Basically. But like from a work perspective, you know, having these leaders that just could make you think that like. Us, we as this team of 30, we are going to move and shake and we are the greatest. And I would look around and be like, yeah, no, it's good. Mm-hmm. We all agree though he's a little off his kilter, right? People would be like, no, I would go to the end of the earth for that man. I'm like, I, I don't think I am. And I'm seeing yeah. people follow blindly and crash and burn. And I'm always just a little like, ah, like, oh, I'm going to pass. Super excited. Good for you. So glad you're smart. But, like, something about you makes me think you're not well in the head. And, like, I got to go. And, like, but yeah. Billy's one of those people that was so charismatic. He could get Andy, who was in this industry for 30-plus years, to think, I got to go swish some Listerine and go suck a cock. Like, yeah. we need Evian water. You know, and, again, in this original content podcast, they were bringing up the idea that I found really interesting. And while I believe wholeheartedly that Billy McFarlane is a sociopath, yeah. and he's, I believe, currently in jail Six for years. fraud for what he did. They brought up a really good point about, like, crazy geniuses. So yeah. there are people in our society and in life who they can convince a certain number of people that they're insane, and we completely look at look away from what they actually do. They had a great example, and that was Elon Musk. I agree. The minute you say crazy genius, I can only think about Elon Musk. Elon Musk. So, right, he invents the Tesla. Yeah. He's going to take us to Mars, I do kind of believe. But look at his behavior. He's going off the rails a little bit. He says crazy shit all the time. Well, look what I guess he trapped, what, Iggy Azalea in his house for 48 hours or something? I was going to go back to, um, was it in... Thailand, or remember the ca- the kids who were stuck in the cave? Mm-hmm. And mm. he was like, I'm going to create a submarine. Yes. Great and example. When after the guy who was running the program in Asia, and then called him a pedophile because the guy was like, yeah. you know nothing about our cave system. You used your submarine in a pool. It's not going to fit through here. And then the guy, then Elon Musk was like, well, you're a pedophile. And the guy was like, I'm going to need you to retract that. I'm busy getting 12 fucking kids, kids out, out of a goddamn cave. cave. The fuck is wrong with you? And we were all like, Elon's crazy. Elon's probably on a lot of drugs. And then we're like, "Uh, Teslas are fun, guys, right? Right. And so, like, here's the thing. Like, Elon Musk, though, has had success. So, like, we're following him. Steve Jobs is another great example. When he stood up in front of the whole world and said, I'm going to create a smartphone, (laughs) the, the iPhone, nobody knew what that was. But we all went with him, and then when he did it, we were like, all right, he's a god mm-hmm. on earth, and we follow yeah. that now. And I mean, I'm Android, why, but yes. This is why people like that can get away with yeah. things. And so then I want to lead into another podcast that I listen to, which, again, I am super subscribing to this forever now. It's called Popcast, and it's by the New York Times. I'm in. Basically just a pop culture podcast. I can't believe I didn't know about Same. it. Same. That makes until me so this mad. Week. But they were kind of, they were talking about both the fire Festival documentaries and talking about Billy McFarlane, and they brought up the same kind of idea of, like, what big new event, even an indie movie that you get, like, a Kickstarter campaign for, sure. isn't a little bit of a scam until yeah. it happens. I mean, the iPhone, the Tesla, whatever, new music festival. Yeah. Before there's any proof of concept, when there is some charismatic guy out there saying, I am going to do this. All you need to do is invest in me and I will make it happen. Yeah. It hasn't at all been kind of a scam until it actually sure. happened. I mean, and what would have happened if Billy McFarlane had actually put on a music yeah. festival? Would we right now be saying he's a fucking genius? Yeah. Agree. I mean, if you think about like eight years ago that you could in your room ask Google or, you know, Alexa, what temperature was outside? What does my day look like? And you could have your own version of an AI. Oh my God. Okay. She just woke up our Alexa. Alexa says it's 843. Alexa, stop. Um, but you know, I mean, so crazy. The things that you think like you could tell your house to turn on the lights or you could be in a different city and lock your doors from an app. 
everything is crazy and Jetson-like and off the wall. You never would have believed it, but now that it's here, you're like, yes, but of course. So, yes, if you had created this festival that was a little off and not great and the villas were not a villa and just someone's three-bedroom, two-bath house on the island, but... We would have forgotten We would have forgotten there would have been fans and and alcohol. And I wouldn't have known because... I don't get to know what's happening in your life unless you tell me on social media. Exactly. And if you had just shown me a beautiful photo of you on the beach with drinks at, like, Pig Island and, you know, with lasers going off during, like, a Blink-182 concert, I wouldn't know that it was a shit show and you didn't like your lunch. And I would have had FOMO. I would have had total They would have FOMO. Won. Absolutely. The, the other thing on that original content podcast they were talking about is how, you know, it's a very millennial thing. And Billy is a few years younger than us. He's truly in that millennial um, time. Because we are Xennials. Generation. <laughs> we are Xennials. He's a true millennial. And there is this, you know, self-righteousness and self-importance. And yeah. I don't even mean to say those things in a shady way of, like, we are telling those children of that era you can do whatever you want to do. Believe in your dreams. And, you know, all the stories of these successful entrepreneurs, so many of them say, I was shot down over and over again. Yes. No one believed in me, but I finally, once I got my shot, now you all see my true genius. And now don't you all wish you had believed all along? And it's like, that is the story. Like, that's kind of the new American dream yeah. of this, like, I think outside the box and I create and you guys don't see it now, but you will. Yeah. And they're like, you know, we're, we're t- all the millennials believe that they've, they've lived that their whole lives. And the problem is Billy's a sociopath and a scam artist because what you believed in himself fully. <laughs> and here's where we know that he's not an Elon Musk or a Steve Jobs dreamer is that even after fire festival, went down and it became a scam and you found out that Billy wasn't paying the um, Bahamian people he had been hiring to cater and set up everything. When he was back in New York, he started up a new scam, selling tickets to Victoria's Secret uh, shows, to the Grammys. All these MVP shows. To Fire Festival participants. Because he had all their email addresses. And that's where he's a sociopath. He didn't learn from he his was, lesson. And he had been arrested already and was out on bond, living in a penthouse yeah. in New York, and blatantly pulling new scams. And we know it's blatant because you see it in the Netflix documentary. Yes. This guy is insane. Now... When we talk about the Netflix documentary, I do think it's really important for people to know that Jerry Media, who did help run the whole marketing campaign for the Fire Festival, is actually the one at the helm of the Netflix documentary. No, the Hulu doc. Nope. Oh, the, the Netflix. Netflix doc? Yes. Okay, but then who at Hulu actually paid Billy for the interviews? Because that's the difference with the Hulu one. So, yes. What you find out in the Hulu documentary is that Billy is being interviewed, which is really fascinating because they kind of nail him to a wall. And to watch him squirm and get uncomfortable is fascinating. There is rumors that he was paid. They don't know how much. But Billy Mm -hmm. did go to Netflix and say, I know you're also doing a documentary. I'll do it for $250,000. Which made them think that Hulu was paying around that or maybe a little bit less. Here's the thing. Any money Billy makes is restitution. It's got to go back to his lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. So if Hulu pays him, great. They're just putting more money back into the hands of people who deserve that money. Right? So I have no problem with the fact that Hulu paid him because it's just getting money to people faster. But you have to understand, Jerry Media is a big portion of the Fire Festival marketing campaign. And they knew a little bit of what was going on, despite what they say. Right. But they're at the head of the Netflix documentary. All documentaries have a bias. Absolutely. You have to watch all of this. With a grain of salt and a question mark in the back of your head, which is why we keep saying, why did nobody ask questions? Right. You have to ask questions all of the time, you guys. Billy McFarlane was definitely the evil genius at the core of all of yeah. this, but he's not the only one that made no. this happen. Jerry Media was involved. All of these other entities, the the investors, Jaw Rule, they were all involved and they all have some culpability. Yes. But, you know, none of this would not have happened if it had not started with Billy McFarlane. Yeah. And like you said, what if this? What if he pulled this off? We would, would be we going to Fire Festival 2018, 2019. Yeah. He would have started making money, and we would have had like the but, more elite Coachella actually happening. But, but would this have been enough for him? And what if he'd gone bigger and better and found a different way to scheme? I think that he's been scheming all of his life and never would have stopped. This wouldn't have been enough for him. Yeah, he would have been I like, think, I did I it. I think you're right. Yeah, I did it. I did it. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. I don't think it would have been done. World domination. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so. Um, that's our question just, for the week. That's like, our yeah. question. But I do have one more question for you. Yes. What would you be willing okay. to perform fellatio? Sorry, Dad. To release from the Bahamian government. Like, what would it have to be? What would it have to be? Other than my dignity? Yeah. When we get to that point, the dignity has already been put into the, you know, the locked closet. Listen, I can't say that water isn't it. I think that's a (laughs) a basic necessity that you need. And you and I both have been to the Bahamas plenty of times. We've even been out in Florida on a hot day. Yeah. There isn't a moment for six to eight months out of the year where we don't have bottles of water in our hand constantly because we're so thirsty. Mm-hmm. I can't say it wouldn't be water. I would say going along with that, that if you put me in the Bahamas for the next three days and you told me I will not have access to any air conditioning uh-huh. unless you suck a dick, I'm going to suck a dick. Oh, yeah. You know, like, what would make you desperate enough to, to be like, all right, I will go suck dick? That's what I mean. Like, and... We found out. Evian yeah. water. So you listen, Evian- I would do it for a Zephyr Hills. I'm not <laughs> you don't need the Evian. Evian. Do a core water, maybe a smart water, get me some electrolytes up in her. Okay. So funny. Oh my god, Fire Festival. I still I'm have s- questions. I'm so glad still to also talk not to you done. about it. Yeah. yeah, not done. But so guys, get ready. Next week we're gonna have more questions and another topic that we want to chat with you guys about. But until then. We want to keep you updated on what's going on in the podcast world. Right. So we're going to do our podcast polls. It's been a new segment that we've introduced here over the last couple months. But we're going to switch it up a little bit. Since we're talking about media and technology with our topic this week, we thought we would share with you the top three technology podcasts as of today, February 6th. Yes. Is, is it the 5th? No, it's the 5th. Oh, good girl. You're probably listening to this on the 6th. <laughs> yeah, so the first one is the TED Radio Hour. I think everybody knows about a TED Talk. They're pretty popular. This is from NPR. Yeah. You're going to get somebody who's got a great subject matter, and they're an expert, or they have lived a life or something. And the TED Radio Hour is really popular when it comes to technology and these greats who have something to share with you. I think that that's definitely a podcast when you need to, like, kind of zone in and you really have, like, brain function to spend on the podcast you're listening to. I think about, like, Oprah's Masterclass where, you know – Morgan Freeman talks about his life, but I'm getting somebody who, like, from a tech and business perspective is really imparting a lot of their wisdom with you. Right. Like, like a free class. Yeah, it's not something that you do while you're, like, you know, working. Maybe it's, like, a running or a car ride podcast yeah. where you can really kind of, like, brain totally delve into it. Yeah. So the number two podcast in the technology world right now is Reply All. Yeah. Uh, do you remember I brought Reply All up when um, I was talking about their episode where they were talking about that 1-800 I, number series? I still think about that 1-800 episode sporadically in my life and get goosebumps. Yeah, I listen to Reply All every now and then. It's a great podcast. It's just like weird shit about the, you know, technology, online, computers, how we how we basically as humans relate to technology and as humans relate to other humans via technology. Yes. So, yeah. So, well, speaking of that, number three is IRL. Online life is real life. And this is brought to us by Mozilla, mm-hmm. the internet explorer-esque kind of web browser and it's really all about how like who we are online is who we're starting to curate in our real life and there's no difference anymore sometimes i think i'm going to subscribe to this i've never heard of it until we pulled it up for pulse tonight and i kind of feel like i can give that a listen you know what we've been talking about this a lot lately you know um joking around like if you have a relationship IRL and you don't talk about it on Facebook, does it even happen? Yeah, it's like, did the tree fall in the woods? Did it make, did it make noise? Did the bear shit? I don't know. I don't it didn't know. tweet about there. it. I wasn't there. I didn't the bear see didn't Instagram. Tweet. I have no idea. So yeah, so those are our top three podcasts from the tech world this week. Interested to see what we bring up next week. Yes, but in the meantime, we have some pop-ups. Yeah. Eric and I still listen to all sorts of podcasts of all the time, and every week we love to share with you what we are kind of like podcast obsessed with at the very moment yes 
So, Amy, mine this week, if I can go first, sure. is really for you. Oh, for me? It's for you. It's for me. So your obsession this week was Lisa Rinna mm-hmm. and her fantastical behavior at Andy Cohen's baby shower. Fantastical is a great word. Thank you. So this week, um, I listened to The Morning Toast. It's a daily podcast. Uh-huh. And their Monday episode, February 4th, was um, with one of the hosts, Jackie Oshray, and her sister Claudia was out. And so they had a co-host, Darren Karp, assistant to a one Andrew Cohen. Who you know I love because she's the co-host of Martinis, Martinis and Murder. Murder and yep. I love that podcast. She loves coming on to the morning toast. Jackie messaged her and was like, girl, I see what's happening at that baby shower. I need a co-host next yes. week. And she was like, I'm on my way back to New York. Love it. So the first 20 minutes of this episode, she just really gets to share with you the ins and out. How she's known that Andy was going to have a baby for over a year. <gasps> working with the surrogate. Kind oh of god. like I mean, she said it was the hardest secret she's ever had to keep. Oh my god, so difficult, so difficult, so amazing. She had to ask him like, "Please, can I tell my parents and my girlfriend because <laughs> I, I can't like have you calling me at one o'clock in the morning and not explain to them this isn't a housewife emergency. This is a your real life emergency. Yeah, I am your assistant in all facets. Aww, so she goes on to talk so about sweet. that, and it was so sweet. She talks about how over um, Christmas they had the Come OG Faithful episode of Watch What Happens Live. How much I never saw. Me neither. And they had an OG from every city. And yeah. that's when Andy announced that he was expecting a baby via surrogate. And how literally that night, basically Ramona and Kyle Richards were like, we're throwing you a baby shower. And it started oh. that night. You get all the ins and outs. You find out that really these women got together and because Andy was going to live in L.A. for a couple of weeks, that's clearly where his surrogate is. And so Kyle Richards was like, I'm on it. I'll get us set up at the Palm. We'll have a whole party. They invited all the current housewives, but basically every housewife had to pay for themselves, get themselves there, put themselves up. None of this was on Bravo. Can I stop you real quick? I heard there was some super drama with Danielle Staub from Jersey, who like wasn't invited, went to page six and threw a bitch fit, so got herself an invite. But basically, they still didn't really want to invite her. But Melissa Gorga pulled out because her daughter had, like, a school event. So Uh she stayed in Jersey for that. So they let Danielle have Gorga's seat. Well, so I had heard that basically all of the OGs of their city got to invite everybody that they wanted. Uh So that's why you find out that Phaedra Uh got invited, even though Phaedra is no longer on Real Housewives. um, Atlanta. All of these things. But that, like... The day of, Andy kind of heard about this drama in page six and was like, yes, invite Danielle. And she was there in like 20 minutes because she already had booked herself a flight to L.A. And was waiting in the wings with hair and makeup and showed up. <laughs> with Priv. Yeah, of course. Makeup, but so then, you know, you find out yeah. like John Mayer was there and, you yes. know, Darren goes into the whole John Mayer oh of it all and how um, Rebecca Romaine and Jerry O'Connell were there. And she was just like, Obviously. Jackie was like, but they're not housewives. And she was like, but like, okay, Rebecca is a model and a couple of these women have been models. She's friends with Denise Richards. Also, she was at Denise Richards' wedding. Jerry is the biggest housewife fan yeah, after Jerry's Andy. part of the Bravo universe, for I sure. Mean, she goes on that Rena was the drunkest. Like, you know, Sonia was the world's worst. Like, just all the yeah. behind-the-scenes gossip. If you are a fan of that baby shower the way Amy and I were, you have to listen to this episode. You've got to get the behind-the-scenes. And Darren, being Andy's assistant, was like, oh, yeah, Beverly Hills, like, premieres in, like, two weeks. I'm probably going to watch – I've already seen the first episode. Get ready. It's great. And I'm like, oh, my mm. God, chick. What you are, in, like, privy to in your life being Andy Cohen's assistant, fuck you. It must Dream really, job. It must really have been housewife-centric, though, because now that I think about it, it was in L.A. and none of the Vanderpump Rules kids were nope. there. It is was it only was housewives. housewives. That's his bread and butter. That's what he started with. But Obviously. Because, but Pump Rules is huge. But he owns the Housewives franchise. Yeah. He does not own – I don't know if his production company does. Oh, we'll Google that later. We'll Google that later. But anyway, you have to check out that Morning Toes episode from February 4th with Darren Karp if you give a shit about (laughs) Andrew and Benjamin Allen Cowan. And I do. Mazel again. All right. I'm going to go quick, but I have a pop-up, and it's true crime. 
It's Bring it on home, Toast. Okay. So I've been so excited to listen to this podcast. It's 12 episodes. I've listened to 1 through 11. Number 12, I'm kind of savoring. Uh-huh. And, you know, I looked this week and they didn't drop because I wasn't sure if they were going to be done this week or if they were going to continue dropping, but I think they stopped at 12. It's a podcast called Cold. Okay. Now, this was a news story that I followed real time when it was going down. On December 7th, 2009, Susan Powell, a mother, uh, I'm sorry, a wife to Josh Powell and mother of two boys, vanished. And then it all came out. And so, like, I won't spoil anything because it's already in the news. No. But Josh Powell, her husband, was... um, obviously the number one suspect in her disappearance, but of course denies everything. And her little boys are like four and six and they start telling stories of like, we went camping, but mommy was in the trunk and (laughs) mommy didn't come home. So basically what you could deduce, which has never been charged and convicted. And I'll tell you why in a minute, Josh Powell, we think Killed his wife at home to put his boys in during a blizzard in December. In I think they were living in um, somewhere in Utah at the time. Drove you know the wife out, threw her into like cliffs in Utah. Drove the boys back home. Said, "Boys, we've been camping, right?" Uh huh. And then you know when she came up missing, work and friends got you know uh, concerned. The police got involved. So there was this investigation that went on for years, but they never had solid evidence against her husband, Josh, and he was never arrested. But things were coming out that were crazier and crazier all of the time. So, you know, Josh and Susan did not have a solid marriage. On top of that, Josh's father, Steve, was obsessed with Susan sexually. So fucking creepy. It's really fucking creepy. And at an early time in their marriage, before they had children, they lived with Josh's father. And he would videotape Susan all of the time. Oh. He, he wrote, and it comes out, he wrote journals and songs about her. He was in love with her and told her so. By the way, Utah, they're all Mormon. So yeah. Susan was a devoted Mormon while Josh and Steve had grown up in the church but separated from it. And okay. kind of rogue kind of both of them were lone wolf yeah very much incel like type of guys got an episode for that yep we sure do go check that out and anyway um tragically this is really horrible but a couple years after susan disappeared her body was still never found but susan's father and her mother were very um advocates for the, you know, for the, to keep the police keeping yeah. up with the um, investigation. And the heat kind of closes in on Josh to the point where he loses custody of his children. They're with her parents, but he gets supervised custody. And one day the social worker drives the children over to his house and he opens the door, drags the children inside, throws the social worker out, forcibly locks the door, and very tragically blows up the house. Yeah. Kills all three of them. So now the entire family is gone. But, you know, we still have no answers. And we yeah. still have never, Susan's body has never been found. But this cold podcast in 12 episodes dives deep into all of it. And it's fascinating because Josh in like the late 90s, early 2000s was a big proponent of online audio journals. So we have oh. a lot of his voice. Livejournal.com, y'all. Oh, yeah. So... Um, you know, the case is basically still open because, yeah. you know, Susan's death. I mean, and his father, Steve, is still alive. And there is suspicion that he may have been involved with Susan's death because he was as he was so obsessed with her to the point where when they searched his house at one point, he had, this is gross, he had tubs, like big cheese ball tubs of her used tampons. <gasps> Yes. And because she was Mormon, you know how they have their special underwear? Yeah, yeah, the magic he, undies. Yeah, he has all of her magic undies, like, saved in boxes, hair from her hairbrush, her toothbrushes. That could just be coincidence, but also It's fucking not. disgusting. It's definitely yeah. that. So anyway, true crime podcast that I'm obsessed with right now is definitely cold. Yeah. It's dark, but all true crime is, and I do recommend to listen. Well, How do you bounce back from that? I don't actually think that you do. I'm going to go listen to some Blink-182. Pretend I'm in the Bahamas because it's a 
warm 70 degrees here in Orlando, Florida this week. You mean you don't want to listen to Janet Jackson's All For You? It's all for... Okay. It was going to be so great when you have to listen back to you attempting to sing that song when we edit this show later. I know I'm not allowed to sing on the podcast, (laughs) but sometimes the temptation is so great. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for joining us and our deep dive and questions in regards to the Fire Festival, our yummy drinks, all of our obsessions, and our pop-ups this week. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. We come back next week. It's our 60th episode. We have something special in store we're very excited about. Sparkly and fun. Uh Uh-huh. So make sure you come find us online. Rate, review, subscribe. We need those five stars. We're thirsty for your stars. Yeah, and it just would mean the world to us. Our birthdays are coming up. And if you don't know what to get us, five stars on iTunes wouldn't hurt us. We'd love it. But whatever you do this week, you guys, rewinders, do not forget... To be kind. And rewind. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.